No school teacher at St. Wilford's will smile, and there is no joy to be found between the volcano of resentment offered by Mother Peter, a bearded nun who beats children from dawn to dusk, or Mr. Callahan, the youngest of the crew, eaten up by a resentment that he couldn't control. When, in 1969, he spies a copy of the disc Hare Krishna Mantra by the Radhakrishna Temple on my desk, his face cracks into a smile. He orders a record player from the musty and musky war-ruined stockroom, and he plays the record five times to an unwashed class whose knits sway in rhythm. Music, you see, is the key. Mr. Callahan is momentarily unlocked, and is free of himself and his cauldron of spite for at least as long as the music plays. When it is over, his facial muscles collapse to the familiar soupy sourness. Favoring the girls, Miss Redmond lowers her eyes dispassionately at the pickpocket boys, for they are a dismal mass of local color. Miss Redmond smiles lovingly at Anne Dixon, a curly-haired girl whose mother is what the gibbering world term a lollipop lady. Miss Redmond is aging, and will never marry, and will die smelling of attics. The post-volcanic black worn by the school nuns and their monastic sheepish priests shapes the subtle effects of oppression. They know their time has gone, and the spinster-faced have seen the door close for the last time. Before them, a new race of youth with their lives yet to be lived, and the contrast between time gone and time to come burns dangerously. An inordinate number of teachers are unmarried, or possibly untouched by human hand, and this shows in the disdainful twist to the mouth. You touch me and my mum'll be down, I warn Miss Dudley. I am nine years old. Herself a sexual hoax, her lips thin and tighten as she drags me along the corridors of horror to the drooled, gruel face of Mr. Coleman. You, he shouts at me, as if, at nine years old, I had already scarred England. But there will be no beating for any case that steps this far over the line, assuming the psychological. It is only the meddlers with pulpy hands who are whacked, and usually with a thin leather strap, and these are small children of eight and nine years. I am well turned out, soft to the eye, soft of voice, and absent of the Jackson Crescent muddiness, and this calls for a certain consideration. Many years later, I will foolishly return to these rooms with a television crew, and I will find myself sitting once again with Miss Dudley, speaking through her teeth in a new darkness of advanced age. Miss Dudley recalls Jean, my mother's almost too pretty younger sister, who, like sisters Mary and Rita, also served time at St. Wilfred's. As the cameras roll, I sit smiling with Miss Dudley, as a mortician might inspect a corpse, for practical and understanding we both might be in the now, but there is really no way of forgetting. I think back to that day when fat Bernadette wrapped a leather belt around her neck and proceeded to pull it tightly in both directions, thus possibly killing herself, as she sat at her wonky desk in the classroom of B2. I'm going to do it, she shouts at Miss Dudley, who casually reaches into her shopping bag for her newspaper, which she then unfolds on her battered desk, completely ignoring damaged and needy Bernadette, who is still shouting, I'm going to do it. Miss Dudley seems irritated only by the fact that she is taking so long. When rakish and clanking Brian clumps to the ground in assembly, he is carted away silently by grim-faced school staff, and the word goes around that Brian hasn't had food for seven days. 
But there is no gentle therapy for these deprived and confused inner-city slum kids, and there is no response to anything they say other than violence and more hurt. It piles up. This is the Manchester school system of the 1960s, where sadness is habit-forming, and where shame is cattle-prodded into kids who are in pursuit of bliss amid the unrelenting disapproval. Look around and see the gutter-bred, all doing as well as they can in circumstances that they are not responsible for, but for which they are punished, born unasked. Their circumstantial sadness is their own fault and is the agent of all of their problems. Oh, doesn't this smell nice, says my sister Jackie, as she stretches towards me with an open jar of Pond's cold cream. As I lower my head to take a sniff, Jackie rams the jar of cream fully onto my nose. Jackie cackles loudly at this as I scream and wave my hands. Aproned and full of Jesus, Mary and Joseph declarations, Nanny charges in from the kitchen with a handful of black pepper, which she then rams up...